What went wrong with the Baltimore Ravens offensive line in their week one win over the Houston Texans and how can they fix it? We talk about that and so much more coming up next here on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Ravens podcast. We're your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Allstriker of Ravens Wire, here with you on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here, making us your first listen each and every day on the show. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms, including over in video form, over on YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case. Providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics to treat 50 plus infections. Here is today at jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. And we are a five day a week Ravens podcast here, bringing you Ravens news, Ravens analysis, Ravens updates. So if you want to subscribe here in video form on YouTube, if you're watching, you see my face, my background. We got the fish in the background, uh, Edgar Allen and Poe, and then Lamar, Gary Jackson, the snail. If you're in audio form, just listen in Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Wherever you're listening, thank you for tuning in as well. I appreciate all the video listeners, all the audio, audio listeners. Also, if you want to subscribe over on Subtext, it's a new thing we're doing. I want to make sure to get the word out about it where it's it's pretty much on your phone, texting, exclusive content over there, Ravens updates from me, analysis. We're going to do mailbags. Today is mailbag day over on the Subtext, so you can go over there for exclusive mailbags. And it's basically just one-on-one conversation. So, you can subscribe to that. Link will be in the description below. It'll be in all caps, so you won't miss it. It's another way to support me, support my work. And it's been really fun. We already have some subscribers, and it's been really fun engaging with listeners, which is something I've wanted to do. It's kind of hard on Twitter sometimes because, you know, I, I don't see everything on Twitter. So th- this is an ability for me to engage with people there. So be sure to subscribe over on Subtext. But here today, we're going to be talking about the offensive line. There's a lot to dive into with it. It definitely struggled. The group as a whole struggled against the Texans on Sunday. I think it got better in the second half, but we are going to talk about what I saw and kind of what the overall consensus is on the Baltimore offensive line right now and how they can fix it moving forward and what kind of what kind of things they can do to fix it. Then in the second part of the show, we'll talk a little bit about Ronnie Stanley and Tyra Linderbaum and their replacements. Obviously, nothing has been set in stone. The first injury report comes out today, but I wouldn't anticipate those guys playing this week. So we'll talk about what the Ravens are probably going to do, what they should do. So we'll get into that. Then finally, we'll get into the latest roster moves. Baltimore signed a couple of players in free agency to the practice squad. So we'll talk about those guys. One, potentially being a Marcus Williams replacement until Marcus Williams comes back. So a lot, a lot, a lot to get to on the show today. Let's dive right in. How can the Ravens fix the offensive line? Now, when me myself going through the tape, going through the highlights, I saw a lot of different things. I know other people have really done a deep dive into it as well. I know Spencer Schultz, who we had on the show yesterday, and we talked Jonathan Taylor. So if you want to hear about Jonathan Taylor and should the Ravens trade for him, be sure to check out yesterday's episode as well. Also, Cole Jackson, who does a great job film breakdowns and everything on the offensive line. He's a big offensive line guy, and I want to give him a shout out and go, go check out his video because I'm going to talk about some of the stuff Cole talked about because some of the stuff I saw as well. When it comes to the Ravens and fixing the offensive line, we have to start about just what in the world happened to them. It was a rough day for 
mostly everybody. I thought Tyler Linderbaum had the best day out of all the starting offensive linemen, and now he's gone for, you know, who, who knows how long. Patrick McCarry, actually, according to PFF, had the best pass block grade because I thought the run the run blocking was fine to me. It was the pass protection where Lamar Jackson did not have a clean pocket for a lot of the day. He did have it sometimes, but Patrick McCarry led the Ravens in pass block grade for PFF 79.4. Morgan Moses next was 74.5. Ronnie Stanley 74.4. John Simpson 71.7. Tyler Linderbaum 71.3. Then Sam Mustafer was 69.8. And Kevin Zeitler had a really rough day. 51 was the lowest on the team for the offensive line, which is very weird. But in multiple sets, it's just it seemed like the sloppiness throughout the entire course of the game, which did get better in the second half, but it was still apparent in some situations. The tackles are getting walked back into the backfield. John Simpson was on the ground multiple times. There were some plays where the offensive line didn't know the snap count. Guys were getting beat one-on-one. The Texans were overloading one side, and Lamar stepped up to escape, but then another guy lost his rep. And there was a lot of issues, like for John Simpson, for example – His hand placement was something that I saw and Cole highlighted this too, where he was, his hand placement was too wide. He was getting his hands like on the outside of the shoulders or like in like right on the side of the shoulders. And with that, what happens is essentially the offensive lineman exposes their whole chest and they lose a ton of their leverage. So John Simpson either gets, he got walked back. He had a couple of moves put on him. For Ronnie Stanley, there were plays where he wasn't fully square, like he couldn't get an anchor because he was not fully square and he would just get walked back. And we saw that with Morgan Moses too. He was getting walked back into the offensive backfield and you know, Lamar had to escape. And there was another play where Kevin Zeitler, it was Will Anderson, I think. The cool highlight of this play was, I mean, Will Anderson's going to be a beast, but Kevin Zeitler got beat and Lamar had to throw. I think that was the interception, if I'm not mistaken. It was when Will Anderson got just the best of Kevin Zeitler. So what the Ravens did to adjust to that, you know, because we can talk about, oh, this went wrong and that went wrong. And there was a lot. I think the penalties were there too. There were some penalties like Morgan Moses had a penalty, I think, where he had to hold the defensive lineman because Lamar would have gotten sacked. So it was like the lesser of two evils in that situation. But it was just sloppy, sloppy, sloppy all around. Now what the Ravens did to fix some of it in the second half, kind of like a patchwork, like Band-Aid type of deal, is they, they did a couple of things. For one, they used Patrick Ricard more to seal off some of the, the rushers that were going on. They, they put him on one side, then would the snap would happen, and he would move across the field and take out one of those edge rushers and would free up another offensive lineman and just do their thing. Another thing they did was open up the short check down game, and I thought Cole highlighted both of these really well too, where if there was something that happened – Lamar would have a check down option like a Zay Flowers, which we saw a couple of times. And I think with the short passing game, that can help you because the check down to me, Lamar sometimes has issues getting to the check, the check down progressing to it, where I just, I don't think he wants to use it all the time, but I think that's where you can slice the defense up. You can slice and dice with the check down. So even if guys are losing one-on-one, which I am very concerned about moving forward, especially because, with their starting offensive group, John Simpson is your left guard. I mean, it's Ben Cleveland if it's not him, or you put Daniel Falele inside, or you put McCarry there, but you can't do that because McCarry's already playing tackle, and that's the thing because Ronnie Stanley had a decently rough game but got it together a little bit in the second half. Tyrell Linderbaum had a great game, but now you have a couple of options, and we'll talk about those options coming up in a couple of minutes. 
But the Ravens did a couple of things that I was at least encouraged by, but it doesn't necessarily quell all of my fears. I'm, I'm not coming out of that Texans game saying, well, okay, the offensive line improved from the first half. They're totally fine. That's that's not. I wish it was how I'm feeling, but it's not how I'm feeling. I'm concerned about the offensive line because I'm, I'm not going to overreact again. I'll say it. I'm not going to overreact one way or the other. Where the off- I'm not saying the offensive line is going to be the worst in football. I'm not saying everything's okay. But I think that there were some some little – I was shocked a little bit by how poorly some of the offensive linemen played and how sloppy it was. I mean, literally, one of the plays that Cole highlighted, and I, I saw it too, was only Tyron Linderbaum knew the snap count because he snapped the ball. And the Texans sent, I think, six or seven guys on a blitz. But it wasn't just blitzes. The Texans got home with four and five. When, guy, when it was five rushers versus five offensive linemen – one guy got beat somewhere and Lamar stepped up and then another guy got beat and he was able to get a sack or Lamar was under duress all day. We've been talking for so long about how Lamar needs a clean pocket. Every quarterback needs a clean pocket. If it, if it does not work up front, it's going to be so much harder on your quarterback for any NFL team. Lamar finally has the wide receiver weapons. I would hate for this to resort to kind of like, a, oh, well, you have to do so much maneuvering because the offensive line can't hold their own on their own. So I think we saw encouraging things from Todd Munkin in the second half, but it can't just be encouraging. It has to be consistent, good play from this unit, and they just they did not have that in week one. And I don't know if they're going to have it in week two with Tyler Linderbaum, Ronnie Stanley out in the second segment. We will talk about who's going to replace those guys and what it means for the team. So be sure to stay tuned. Not to get to Unlocked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. And our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. So whether you're prepping for a daily draft in season or you're scouting the waiver wire as well, I know waiver pickups are a big thing. I should have to put mine in after recording this. Every week, we're going to be providing you the players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And if you're looking for a sweet matchup to exploit a big game at wide receiver in week two, turn on the Chargers, Mike Williams. I I was a big Mike Williams guy at Clemson. Still love him now. Williams is pretty quiet and also left the game early in the run-heavy opener against Miami for Los Angeles in week one. But he draws a beautiful spot against the Titans secondary, which struggled to handle any of the Saints receivers downfield, including Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. Look for Justin Herbert to hit on at least one big scoring play to Williams. Again, Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. eBay Motors knows the championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. That same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one rider die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your ride needs, eBay Motors has it. With eBay Guaranteed Fit is guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. All items only exclusions apply. We're back here, our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with you talking Ravens football and talking offensive line with Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum, and those injuries. Now, Linderbaum and Stanley both week-to-week-ish, according to John Harbaugh. Linderbaum suffering an ankle injury. Ronnie Stanley suffering a knee thing. So, I'm not expecting those two guys to play on the field for the next couple of weeks. Now, maybe some miracle happens and both guys are able to return for week two. Wouldn't expect that, but maybe it happens. I feel like it's more likely that Mark Andrews or even Marlon Humphrey returns at that point. But there are a couple of ways that the Ravens could replace those guys. I think 
one of the more obvious ones would be kind of what they did in putting Patrick McCarry at left tackle and then Sam Mustafer, who they called up from the practice squad at center. I think that people, some people are fine with that. Other people would prefer another option, like putting Patrick McCarry at center, moving Morgan Moses to the left side, then putting Daniel Falele on the right side, or not even moving Moses, just putting uh, Falele on the left side, and then that's what it is. McCarry at center, and then Daniel Falele on the left side. I think what the Ravens are probably going to do is keep it like they did and put McCarry at left tackle and probably Mustafer at center, if I had to guess. I think for me, Mustafer is the lowest ceiling, lowest floor player of those bunch. I, even a guy like Falele, who is probably still a little bit raw, and how much do you trust him, and can he fit what the Ravens want to do right now at this exact time? I, I don't know, but I think it's better than what Mustafer could bring. I'm not very high personally on Sam Mustafer. Hopefully he proves me wrong. That's what I always say with these players, that you know maybe I'm not – super high on, but that doesn't mean I'm rooting against them or anything. Obviously I want them to succeed. I want them to do well. I want them to help the Ravens win, but Sam Mustafer is not someone that has had a, an exceptional career. Like he hasn't been a great offensive lineman. He's been okay. He started for the Bears, has starting experience, but I think I'd rather trust McCarry at center. I think the issue though, is that McCarry is your super sub offensive lineman. You're going to have a weakness somewhere. And I guess it's going to be in the middle if the Ravens go that route. Now, of course, it's not set in stone what they do. The Ravens signed an interior offensive lineman and Kyle Fuller, not the cornerback Kyle Fuller. It's uh, two, two same names, but it's two different players. But Kyle Fuller is coming in on their practice squad. They reportedly, at least he is. So to me, with Kyle Fuller and him being signed, you know, guard center type, that's an indication that the Ravens want more depth there as opposed to maybe tackle. And they'll go with Sam Mustafer at center. Now, to me, I think Falele brings you more in the run game than uh, Mustafer would do. And that means Falele playing at tackle as opposed to Mustafer at center. But I don't, I don't necessarily know how it's going to go in week two when you have to play DJ Reader, Trey Hendrickson, and that. It's a very good Bengals defensive front. I think DJ Reader is going to feast on the interior of that Ravens offensive line because DJ Reader does it anyway. <laughs> he feasts anyway. But against Sam Mustafer, John Simpson, I just I think it's going to be very ugly for the Ravens on Sunday. Again, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it's not. But I'm not very confident. Maybe I'm just reverse jinxing. Okay, I'm just I'm reverse jinxing it, guys. Don't worry. But no, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. And then obviously with McCarry. He's solid. Like he can play all five positions at a very good level, at least higher than you would expect most backup offensive linemen to play. Where he's so versatile, we're not talking about, oh, well, McCarry can only play tackle or he can only play center. So you have to play this guy. The Ravens can assess and they can figure out, well, okay, we feel like this is the best option, but we also have this other option that we can go to. That's the versatility that McCarry brings you, and that's why the Ravens paid him. Because not only can he play all those positions, but he can play them pretty decently well. So I was always on the pay McCarry train. I'm very glad they did. It's especially for moments like this and moments like these where I am very, very glad they did. But there's no... There's no replacing Ronnie Stanley. There's no replacing Tyra Linderbaum. You kind of just got to move forward with what you have. And the offensive line, everybody, you know, I've seen some people saying, well, 
just go out there and, and sign someone to fill in or go why don't trade for a guy now Lyle Collins was released by the Bengals I don't know what that is about he was injured I don't know if he's ready to play and wanted to release if he's just still injured and wanted to rehab I'm not sure that could be an option but again it depends on how long Stanley's actually going to be out for but if Collins is healthy I mean hey that that'd be pretty good offensive line depth if, if I say so but I don't really know why any team would be looking to trade an offensive lineman right now when everybody's looking Every team is looking for quality offensive lineman depth year round. And that's why for offensive line and for corner, it's a couple of other positions too, but I highlight offensive line and corner because those two positions, it's harder to trade for them. It's hard to trade anyway, but it's harder to trade for them because teams are always looking and teams never want to give up guys. And when you do give up a guy, you want premium draft capital back, even if it's a backup. So I wouldn't expect the Ravens to be very active on the trade market. I expect them to kind of just roll with what they have. And I would probably assume that would be Patrick McCary at left tackle and then Sam Mustafer at center. Again, not really sure how it works, especially because Morgan Moses had some struggles in week one. John Simpson definitely did as well. The PFF grades, I know John Simpson and Morgan Moses were pretty highly rated by PFF. I didn't necessarily see that on tape. I don't know how PFF charts and, and if they've changed their charting mechanisms and rules, but. I didn't see, I think John Simpson and Morgan Moses were somewhere in the 80s, like low to mid 80s on it for a PFF grade. I I didn't see it, but again, PFF has their own charting metrics and, and that's what they came up with. But with Stanley and Linderbaum out, essentially your two best offensive linemen, depending on where you put Kevin Zeitler in it, if, if you're worried about, I'm personally not. I think that Honestly, if, if Zeitler gets back to the level he has been at, he's probably their second best offensive line, but it's very close. It is very close because Tyler Linderbaum is coming for that. And uh, I think by this time next year, there'll be no doubt that Tyler Linderbaum is their second best offensive lineman. And I, now, I do know that some people are concerned about Ronnie Stanley. They're concerned about the drop-off and the fall-off. And I've, I've definitely seen the Ronnie Stanley is washed comments and Ronnie Stanley is washed takes. I don't necessarily agree with those personally, you know, is the ankle going to probably hinder him in some way, shape, or form for the rest of his career with load management and some other things? Yeah, probably. But I, I, that doesn't mean that he's not still really, 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 really good. He's still one of the best tackles in the NFL. Did not play like it on Sunday. But with him out, with, with Tyler Linderbaum out, there's no doubt that those are two huge losses for the Ravens. And whether you want Falele's push in the run game or McCarry's consistency – at left tackle, Mustafer's wild cardness at the center position. I think they like McCary more at tackle anyway. McCary had some snapping issues the last time he played center for a while for Baltimore. And I know a lot of people don't forget about that Lamar Jackson play where in that Buffalo game divisional round, it was Patrick McCary who snapped that football over Lamar's head and uh, caused him to get a concussion. So hopefully there are no snapping issues. I really don't want to go back to that, but It'll be interesting to see what it is. I'm not overly confident, but hopefully they prove me wrong and uh, go out there and play some good football until Linderbaum and Stanley come back. Coming up in the final part of the show, though, I'll be talking about the Ravens' latest roster moves, talking about the safety they added and some practice squad additions, releases, and more. So be sure to stay tuned. Lots to get to Unlocked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. And don't be caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected Jace handles everything from online evaluation, licensed pharmacy, medication delivery, and ongoing consultation 
and care. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get the Jace case is to fill out a simple online form and in some cases jump on a quick call with one of Jace Medical Board's certified physicians. Get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions. Doctor created, doctor recommended. And there have been times where sometimes places don't have the medicines that I need. And when I'm traveling, I might have to get something and I haven't had the opportunity to because places just don't have things. And with storm shortages, pandemics, there are a lot of different things. We need to be prepared now more than ever. Jace Medical is simple. You go online, fill out a form, then they get prescription life-saving medications right to your door. The Jace case gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using my code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. We're back here. Our final part of Locked On Ravens here on Wednesday. Newbie condition. Kevin Oshiker still here with you. Thank you so much again for tuning in, making us your first listen each and every day. Be sure to subscribe here in audio form, in video form. Again, we go live after each and every game. So we'll be doing our second regular season live post-game show a couple hours, maybe an hour or two after the game ends on Sunday, that Cincinnati week two matchup. So be sure to subscribe here, turn notifications on, and that'll be available obviously in audio form after the fact. And also again, subscribe to the subtext. It's been awesome getting to know a bunch of subscribers and it's been great to one-on-one interact through text. So if you want to have one-on-one text conversations, get Ravens news analysis updates delivered directly to your phone and more exclusive content, be sure to subscribe over on subtext link in the description below. And it's another way to support me and my work. And I really do appreciate all the support here as we round out episode 1073 consecutive for me on locked on Ravens today. But let's get into the Ravens roster moves that they had. They made a couple of them yesterday. The big one being Deron Harmon, who signed to the Ravens practice squad a safety. And we know the Marcus Williams injury is probably going to keep him out for a little while. We don't know, at least at the time of this recording, what the situation with Marcus Williams is in terms of surgery. John Harbaugh said that he's mulling his options, talking over with doctors and others about what the next best step for him is. Maybe at some point today, John Harbaugh will give that update. But Harbaugh mentioned that it should be soon because I don't think he can wait too long on that sort of thing. But Marcus Williams is going to miss some time. Deron Harmon is a veteran. He was out there. I don't, honestly, I don't know why he was out there. Personally, he's turning 33 soon, but he's a player that is a three-time Super Bowl champion, came into the league in 2013 with New England, established a role there, played there until 2019, and then has had a couple of different stuff. Detroit in 2020, Atlanta in 2021, most recently the Las Vegas Raiders in 2022. And he's somebody that over the course of his career has had 401 total tackles and actually had a career high 86 tackles last year for the Raiders and in a big role for them. He has not a ton of forced fumbles or fumble recoveries, only three forced fumbles and three fumble recoveries over the course of his career, but 23 interceptions has had at least one interception in every single season that he's played is 10 years in the NFL. This is now his 11th season. And he's someone that fits kind of the profile that the Ravens need with Williams out. They've they've needed a ball hawk depth piece for a while. I think Geno Stone could fill that role, but Harmon does have depth 
with the range that he has. He's someone that, you know, there's a highlight I put out yesterday of him breaking up a pass on fourth down to Marquise Brown, you know, former Ravens wide receiver. It happened during the Cardinals and Raiders game last season. You can put him on an island and he has that range now. You know, as he gets older, I'm sure the range decreases. But to me, I think he was one of the better players still available on the free agent market and probably the best safety remaining on the free agent market. And this is a signing that you like, this is not just until Marcus Williams gets back. You can still utilize Daron Harmon in, you know, December, January, when hopefully Marcus Williams is back on the field for them. It gives you other options. And Spencer Schultz and I talked about this yesterday. Spencer made a really good point about how you have to kind of look at things as if two guys are injured because Marcus Williams is already down and you can say, oh, well, they can just rely on their depth and not really sign anybody. But then Spencer made the point of saying, well, if they do that and then Kyle Hamilton goes down, what are your options? And then everybody signs and you're, you're in a really bad spot. So the Ravens got ahead of this. I think Geno Stone is still probably going to play a pretty big role for them. But at the end of the day, the Ravens add a quality depth piece to their secondary, which I think was definitely a must. Now, corner, obviously, is still a concern, but that unfortunately is another conversation and a different conversation. The Ravens down a lot of key members in that secondary, a lot of money in that secondary of Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Williams having big time money contracts. But Harmon was a pretty good move for them, I would say, especially considering the timing of the move, having a guy come in. After week one, I don't think the contract, especially because it's a practice squad contract, if you sign on the active roster, it's after week one. Those contracts aren't fully, fully guaranteed, I think. So it's good that the Ravens are able to get him in, and they'll probably use his practice squad call-ups and figure out what the next steps for him are. The other official roster moves the Ravens made where they officially signed Daryl Worley to the 53-man roster, officially put J.K. Dobbins on injured, on injured reserve, and then Tay Hayes was released from the practice squad. So I don't believe at the time of this recording – Melvin Gordon's been called up to the active roster, but I'm sure they're going to use a practice squad elevation on him most likely. I don't know if Harmon plays a huge role this week as he gets caught up to speed, but maybe he could. So the Ravens wheeling and dealing on, on the roster moves, the practice squad, it's, it's always going to be changing throughout the entire season. So we'll see how the Ravens end up maneuvering it over the course of the year. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. I appreciate everybody subscribing, tuning in here. Be sure to follow along here on our content as we're going to be riding you five days a week, always now more that the season started of Ravens content. Coming up tomorrow, our second crossover Thursday of the 2023 season with Locked on Bengals. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.